Welcome everybody to episode 88 of the True Tech Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about um, some of the stories from this week, including the Beats Fit Pro, the Galaxy Books Xperia Pro 1, Intel 12th Generation um, Alder Lake Chips, Apple Music on PS5, and the DJI Action Cam. We'll get right into those stories after this message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by you. You can help support the show by going to merch.streamelements.com to purchase the True Tech merch. And when purchasing these this merch, you can help support the show. There's uh, different mugs, uh, mouse pads, t-shirts, hoodies, everything you can think of over at merch.streamelements.com So go check it out. Back to the show. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We have quite a few stories for today. Um, even though Techtober is kind of over already, but the tech season has not ended. Tech is still coming through, so don't expect there to be another tech drought like there was in the summer. But yeah, I wanted to start things off with the, uh, the Beats Fit Pro because those just came out like yesterday from when I'm recording. Um, and these earbuds are very interesting pair of earbuds and kind of go hand in hand with the whole uh, AirPods and Beats lineup of earbuds. So it's interesting to see how um, Apple integrates uh, the Beats Fit Pro into their lineup of earbuds. But yeah, Beats has been pretty busy. Um, it's just been 2021. They've really just un- unleashed two earbuds this this year and earlier this year they released the studio buds um but just keep in mind that beats is owned by apple and with the more premium beats fit pro uh beats has finally updated their high-end earbuds so it's pretty unusual to see two completely new products from beats in a single year but hey i'm here i'm all i'm all for it um but perhaps the company is trying to make a point that it's not idly sitting by and playing second fiddle to Apple's AirPods and AirPods Pro. If anything, the $200 Fit Pros demonstrate that Beats has found its focus. The Fits Pro are a wonderfully designed pair of earbuds that just integrate the best of Apple tech. They've got active noise canceling that's right on par with the AirPods Pro. Um, the same spatial audio with dynamic head tracking, uh, same adaptive EQ, transparency mode, that's also pretty solid. Um, and they also have the brand new skin detect sensor that only just debuted in the third generation AirPods. And there have been many questions about where Beats fits into Apple's long-term plans. And while a single product can't pr- really provide an answer to that, the Beats fit pros are solid evidence that this brand isn't being pushed to the wayside anytime soon and they got a kind of unique design similar to the beats um the beats studio buds and they also integrated that kind of that same design with uh the power beats pro and put it into one and i think this is going to be on beats most high-end pair of earbuds uh, starting now, and they're probably going to end the Powerbeats lineup uh, with these earbuds just because 
uh, of all the features and that the fit's already great enough. Um, but yeah, there's this is gonna be a solid pair of earbuds from um, Beats and yeah, let's see how it sounds. So. Um, as Beats explains, the Fit Pros are meant to fill a gap in its lineup between the Studio Buds and the Power Beats Pro, but I don't know. <laughs> their win their wingtips make them more gym ready than the Studio Buds, but they don't go as far as including the Power Beats signature hooks that wrap around your ears. Um, but the Fit Pro come in a case as basically a miniaturized version of the Power Beats Pro case. Just as with those, there's no wireless charging. Um, a very frustrating omission at this price. But the case at least uses USB-C instead of lightning, so that'll help future-proof uh, your earbuds. A long-standing gripe with the Powerbeats Pro is that they can be a little finicky with charging unless you place them in the case just right. And their ear hooks make it easy to get this wrong, and uh, a lot of people do find that only one earbud gets charged instead of both, so it does get a little bit annoying. Um, but the Fits Pro probably don't uh, have the same issue, and just because the wingtip is a lot smaller and uh, the magnetic pull is also stronger on the case. As for the earbuds themselves, they've got a pretty unique look thanks to their permanent curved wingtips, and Beast is really just selling them in the black, gray, white, and pinkish purple, so uh, only one really different color, but otherwise the other colors are fairly neutral. The gray and purple have gotten the best feedback uh, so far on, on like uh, Twitter, but I think my favorite is probably the white or the black, just because of how clean it really looks. But um, yeah, Beats is very proud uh, of how much it crammed into the Fit Pros, um, and the, also the the design that they've uh, managed to to really create here. Um, not counting the wingtips, obviously, they do contain 30% more components than the Studio Buds, and the transducer is 15% larger. Three sizes of silicone ear tips come in the box, along with a short USB-C cable. Uh, but what about those wingtips, right? They've meant to help the earbuds stay in put, but um, a lot of other earbuds don't really help with that, like the Pixel Buds. They have the wingtips, but um, I found that they don't really help while staying in your ear. But the company says it sweeted the details over the wing's shape and material, and after several days uh, of testing from Beats, um, they... I have to say that uh, the wingtips are pretty uh, comfortable and they do help uh, quite a lot compared to uh, the Pixel Buds. But Beats says it designed the wingtips for every ear imaginable, so whether you have large ears or smaller ears or weird shaped ears, the wingtips the wing should still uh, keep the earbuds from falling out, so that's, that's positive. Um, but like the Studio Buds, these have a nice and clicky B button on each earbud with the usual control scheme. Press once to play, pause, and answer call, twice to skip to, uh, to, to the next track, three times to go back. But there's one interesting part about this. 
Um, for the first time, you can remap a long press adjust volume instead of toggling noise cancelling or summoning Siri. I think this is really useful for people who don't have an Apple Watch and want to just control their music from their earbuds, uh, if you're in the ecosystem of course. But um, yeah, this new volume button is also just a really great feature. Oh, I, I also want to mention that um, these Beats Fit Pro aren't just exclusive uh, to Apple's ecosystem. They will get uh, a full app on Android side. So if you're using Android, you can still take advantage of most of the features um, because there is the Beats Fit Pro app. Um, so just keep that in mind. Okay, so unlike the Studio Buds, which didn't have Apple's usual earbud chipset inside, the Fits Pro have the H1 and all the features that come along with that. The main benefits are dynamic head tracking for spatial audio, automatic device switching between iPhone, iPad, and Mac, automatic syncing with all your iCloud devices, audio sharing, Find My integration, hands-free Hey Siri voice commands, and Beats notes that a lot of other functionality, ANC, transparency mode, one setup, one step setup, Apple Music Spatial Audio, minus the head tracking, it all works just as well on Android. Um, so you're not going to just get a step down experience on Android, you're going to get the same experience um, right on Android. But obviously, being on uh, Apple's ecosystem and Apple's devices, you're going to get a better experience by a little bit. So as I mentioned earlier, the Fits Pro essentially have the same noise cancelling system as the AirPods Pro, also powered by the H1 chip. Performance between the two is more or less identical, and transparency mode sounds are natural here in the same way it does on the Pros. When ANC is off, Beats refers to this as adaptive EQ mode. That's where you'll get the best battery life, 7 hours of continuous playback, and up to 30 hours, including case recharges. Using ANC or transparency drops those figures to 6 hours and 27 hours respectively, so you're not losing much no matter how you're using the buds. And Beat says you get an hour of playback with ANC from a quick 5 minute top off and fully charging both earbuds and the case around 30 minutes. The Beats Fit Pro also include Apple's new skin detect sensor, first seen in the uh, latest AirPods 3, for more accurate automatic play and pause uh, when removed from your ears. Voice call is uh, quite good, but is not as great as the AirPods because those are just the best of the best of earbud microphones. So that's uh, my verdict and my review on the BeatsFit Pro. Should you get it? I don't know. If you're active, then uh, this could be a really solid option, whether you're on Android or Apple. Um, this is overall a really great pair of earbuds. Um, so it's really up to you if you want to spend that $200 and pick up um, the Beats Fit Pro just for that wingtip. But just keep in mind, there's also other earbuds like the AirPods Pro, which are discounted at um, I believe like $190, which is really impressive. And then there's the AirPods 3 at $179. Okay, let's move on to our next story. Um, and that's about Samsung's new Galaxy Books. Um, and Samsung has announced new additions to the Galaxy Book line. The Galaxy Book, the Galaxy Book Odyssey, <clears throat> the Galaxy Book Pro through 65G. And 
none of the models have features that will really blow your mind, but they seem like a natural progression of Samsung's recent efforts to bring the Galaxy Book line out of, you know, the enthusiast space and into actually more consumer-friendly uh, hands. The most accessible offerings look to be the 15.6 Galaxy Book, just because, you know, this is a really nice size for most people. And this is the only one of uh, the three that's actually available now. And the other two products hit shelves uh, November 11th. And right now, um, <clears throat> the only model I can see is the 749.99 model at Best Buy that includes a Core i5-1165G7, 8 gigs of memory, and 256 gigs of storage. Um, as well as a Core i7-1165G7, 16 gigs uh, of RAM, and 512 gig configuration for nine for a thousand dollars and those seem like reasonable prices uh to pay for these specs assuming that the build the keyboard the display and various features are adequate given the high quality we tend to see from the galaxy book line um i'm pretty positive that uh samsung will deliver uh on that in addition to the price point the galaxy book's primary calling card seems to be the fairly portable at just 0.61 inches thick um, it also has an attractive port selection that includes a nano SIM micro SD card slot as well as a two USB C, um, a USB A, and an audio jack. Uh, up a few tiers in price is the $1,399.15.6 inch Galaxy Book Odyssey. This is more of a workstation device con configurable with Intel's H series processors as well as NVIDIA's RTX 3050. At fourteen hundred, it's certainly a good price for a workstation. Though the thirty the the thirty fifty Ti is a fairly mid range GPU, and you know the thirty fifty Ti hasn't shown some incredibly uh, high high results from performance tests, but it's fairly decent if you're not doing anything too intensive. Also starting at $1,400 is the 13.3-inch Galaxy Pro 360 5G. It's worth noting that the non-5G version of the, this device starts at uh, $1,999. So while I haven't seen the specs of the base 5G model yet, it seems likely you'll be paying a significant premium for just that extra connectivity. Um, that said, the 15-inch Galaxy Book Pro impressed uh, really when... Um, just using the pen and the keyboard. Uh, but I think the main uh, benefit to this is just having the flexibility and portability that you get with the uh, Galaxy Book Pro 360. And these all seem uh, really affordable for the specs, but the Galaxy Book is what I'm most excited about. Its $750 price point is really really attractive and really uh good to look into so if you're looking for a new laptop that and you don't need too much power um and you just want to use it for i don't know some office work or school this would be a perfect option for you okay let's move on to our next story of today uh which is the xperia pro one so Sony recently came out with the Xperia Pro 1, and it's 
I think it's their highest end phone to date right now. It's uh, it's pretty wacky, you know. Um, the Xperia Pro One uh, is really just focused on the camera, and then uh, it's a phone second. But Sony is really, really uh, known to do these kind of things with their phones and really implement the cameras uh, as the main feature of the phone uh, instead of the rest of the of all the features. So um, this is partially due to the fact that Sony is mainly a camera company, but the Xperia Pro 1 stands for uh, imaging, which pays homage to... Uh, to Sony's popular line of alpha mirrorless interchangeable lens cameras and professional video cameras. Rather than point and shoot camera models uh, like the Sony RX107, um, at least that's what Sony representatives who were briefing journalists ahead of this event um, said. The star of the show is obviously this device's camera technology. So it's totally fair to think of the Xperia Pro 1 as a camera that happens to come with the phone attached because that's basically what it is. After all, it's notable for using a similar 1.0 type um, Exmor RS image sensor with phase detection autofocus that powers the RX100 Mark 7, the preferred point and shooter of vloggers and tours. This large 1-inch camera sensor enables outstanding low-light performance, high dynamic range, and beautiful bokeh. However, um, the DPR review notes that while this 1-inch sensor is 20 megapixels in total, the Xperia Pro 1 only makes use of part of the sensor, meaning it outputs a 12 megapixel image on this device, which is already... it's, it's, it's fine. While rare, Sony isn't the first to include a 1-inch sensor in a phone. Sharp's uh, R6 uh, had one when it announced was announced earlier this year, as did Panasonic, Panasonic, Panasonic's CM1 from 2014. Sony's Xperia Pro 1 has a total of three 12-megapixel cameras on the back, a main, ultra-wide, and telephoto, and one 8-megapixel camera found in front. While these cameras seem pretty low resolution, the Sony representative was very eager to explain that they contain fewer but larger 2.4 um, micron pixels uh, where each pixel captures more details, more dynamic range, and greater depth of field. The company seems confident it doesn't need to really chase the high megapixel counts like its rivals because it's really the low light that matters. Uh, when shooting video, at least. The Xperia Pro 1's rear cameras use three glass lenses uh, from Zeiss. Its main 24mm lens has dual aperture f2.0 slash f4.4 that allows you to change the depth of field more quickly to create authentic bokeh rather than the digital software created bokeh effect um, that other phones really produce. The Xperia Pro 1 includes the same um, Bion ZX imaging processor found in A9 professional mirrorless cameras for sports, which allows it to take up to 20 uh, frames per second in burst shots, similar to Sony's recent smartphones like the Xperia 1 Mark III. This is the rare 
smartphone camera that is fast at autofocus and capable of real-time eye tracking, just like their mirrorless cameras. Sony claims that the Xperia Pro 1 is the first smartphone in the world that can record 4K videos at 120fps and be able to preserve all 120 frames. While other smartphones can record 4K videos, they often compress the frames into a smaller file, which means you won't have as much control in post-production. On the phone side of the Xperia Pro 1, it has a 6.5-inch 21x9-3840x1644 OLED display with 120Hz refresh rate. At a relatively skinny 21x9 aspect ratio, it's powered by Qualcomm's Snapdragon 888 5G processor and unlocked models uh, should work on most 4G networks in the world, as well as sub 6GHz 5G. There's a 12GB of RAM, 512GB of internal storage, a micro SD card slot, and a 4500mAh battery, which can be fast charged at 30 watts. Despite its premium and modern specs, the Xperia Pro 1 still has a 3.5mm audio jack for creators who need to plug in a mic, which really does come in handy when vlogging. The Xperia Pro 1 will ship in December 2021 for a whopping $1,800, so don't expect this to be a really cheap phone. This is really um, out of out of the, the league with um, smartphone pricing here. It's around the same price as Samsung's flagship foldable, the Z Fold 3, and $200 more than the 1TB model of the I Apple's iPhone 13 Pro Max, which costs $1,600. It's also more than a Sony's uh, 1300RX100 Mark 7 and the same price as the $1800 full-frame A7C. <clears throat> but Sony's aim with the Xperia Pro 1 is to provide a device that can do it all, combining the quality of a dedicated point-and-shoot camera as well as a usable smartphone. And pre-orders do start uh, October 28th, so by now you can get your hands on it right now. All right, let's move on to our, our next story, and that's about Intel's new processors, um, which is the Alder Lake chips. And they finally arrived, ushering in a new era of um, the company's processors, um, led by this flagship Core i9-12900K CPU, which uh, Intel promises is the world's best gaming processor. Ooh, some interesting claims from Intel. Let's see what uh, AMD has to say about that. But the company has been teasing Alder Lake since CES 2021 in January, and it revealed a lot more details on the specifics of its hybrid architecture approach at its 2021 Architecture Day in July. But today, today's announcement marks the uh, culmination of those efforts in the form of actual hardware that you can actually use and buy. Um, Intel is kicking things off with three new chips led by the Core i9-12900K model, which offers a total of 16 cores split between 8 performance-forced P-cores and 8 efficient E-cores, and 24 threads, and is capable of reaching clock speeds of up to 5.2 GHz using Intel's Turbo Boost Max 3.0 technology. All told, Intel promises a 19% performance improvement thanks to the new P-Core architecture compared to its 11th gen uh, chipsets. But um, um, the i7-12700K, um, which Intel also offers, has 
8P cores and 4E cores. And the Core i5-12700K with 6P cores and 4E cores, um, for those who don't need as much um, firepower, each of the three new chips are also available in a KF variant that ditches the integrated Intel UHD Graphics 770 to shave a few bucks off the price. Intel is also using the new chips to introduce a lot of future-facing support for more advanced standards. All three new chips offer up to 20 PCIe lanes, uh, support for DDR5 memory at up to 4800 um, MTs per second, and larger L3 and L2 catch sizes. Unfortunately, the new chips come with the need for a new motherboard. The Alder Lake will need a motherboard built on Intel's newly announced Z690 chipset, which adds more modern conveniences like Wi-Fi 6E and faster USB 3.2 Gen 2 times uh, 2 data transfer. Intel is using a new LGA uh, 1700 socket here, so you may even need a new cooler or slightly updated standoffs from the manufacturer. Intel also is heavily pushing uh, Windows 11 as part as a key part of its Alder Lakes lineup, noting that it's worked with Microsoft to optimize its Intel Thread Director software to better manage tasks uh, across threads when using the new OS. And I'm gonna have to do some testing myself, but uh, yeah, I have to see whether or not it is actually better. Uh, on Windows 11 compared to Windows 10. And while Intel often brands each year's chip as a new generation, the 12th gen lineup, starting with today's desktop release, truly deserves the title. It represents that not, not just the biggest leap for Intel's desktop chips in years, but the debut of a new approach for Intel as to how it designs its best chips. The new lineup of all their like, chips are the first to Intel's uh, desktop chips to move beyond the 14 nanometer process that the company has been using since it for, was first released in 2015 6th gen Skylake chips. Instead, the new 12th gen chips will be released on the freshly rebranded re uh, Intel 7 process, uh, known as Intel's third generation 10 nanometer process or enhanced superfin. As Intel has already explained, the new Alder Lake chips are a new approach to x86 chipsets for the company, one that strongly re resembles the approach that ARM has been taking for years. Um, and instead of simply relying on cramming as much power-hungry cores as it can into a single chip, the Alder Lake hardware combines performance cores uh, with efficiency cores for a mix of power and efficiency. Intel has dabbled with this idea before in 2020's Lakefield chips, but those were a far more limited set of chips designed for low-powered hardware. Alder Lake, on the other hand, aims to power full-scale desktops as Intel's flagship CPU, in addition to laptops and ultra-portable devices. The 12th gen chips also represent a, chan a chance for Intel to redeem itself after its lackluster 11th gen lineup, a desktop lineup, which tried to compensate for Intel's aging 14 nanometer process and its struggles with the 10 nanometer pro uh, manufacturing delays by using the 10 nanometer designs backported to the na 14 nanometer process. But due to differences in the two architectures, Intel was forced to reduce the number of cores it could offer on the 11th gen chips compared to the 10th gen hardware that preceded it. 
As a result, last year's models offered poor multi-threaded performance compared to their pro uh, processors, um, as Anand Tech's uh, thorough review points out. The 11th gen chips offered little to no gain for gaming while also running far hotter and more power hungry. The new desktop chips are also only the beginning. Intel has plans for the hybrid Alder Lake architecture, which includes mobile chips um, and ultra portable, ultra mobile chips for laptops and other portable devices in the future. And keep in mind that the new Intel 12th gen chips uh, pre-orders start today uh, with the chips available on November 4th. Okay, let's move on to our next story, which is uh, the DJI action cam. Okay, so DJI announced its all-new compact uh, camera, which is its follow-up to the Osmo action camera, and it's got a new a completely new design. The Action 2 drops the Osmo name and focuses on modularity with a suite of additional parts and accessories that attach to the cameras magnetically. The camera module itself is pretty small. It's 39mm square and 12mm deep, and it includes a 12 megapixel sensor capable of 4K recording, a lens that provides a 155 degree field of view, and a 1.76 inch OLED touchscreen covered by Gorilla Glass. Using magnets, however, you can attach touchscreen um, and an extra battery or a variety of mounts that let you attach it to tripods or GoPro mounts. And you can even wear the camera as a necklace, just like uh, the Insta360 uh, Go 2. Um, and speaking of GoPro, any action cam uh, is going to face comparisons, and the Action 2 specs fall short when put aside, put side by side with those of the recent Hero 10 Black. It can do 4K at 120 frames per second, like the Hero 10, but lacks any higher resolution options uh, that the Hero 10 can do, like 5.3K 60. And its 240 FPS super slow motion runs at only 1080 instead of GoPro's 2.7K. It's worth uh, keeping in mind that Action 2 is tiny in comparison as it weighs just 53 grams and is almost exactly a third of the weight of the Hero 10. DJI also includes uh, 32 gigs of built-in storage and expandable with a micro SD card, something that GoPro lacks. There's also the system of magnetic accessories DJI is working on, which lets you customize your camera in a way that's not really possible with GoPro. If you need a screen, second screen or more battery, you can just snap them on and then take them off when you want a more compact or discreet camera. Other accessories like a headband or magnetic ball adapter that can be attached to tripods are similar to GoPro accessories, but will, in theory, be easier to attach to and detach from the camera. The Action 2 also has um, Action Cam Table Stakes features like uh, EIS, um, horizon leveling, and the ability to live stream or be used as a webcam, which is really impressive, as well as some neat tricks like a color temperature sensor that DJI says will help produce better colors in complicated lighting situations or underwater. Comparing to the comparing the Action 2's price with GoPro's isn't straightforward due to the, uh, GoPro's pricing model and the DJI's modularity. You can get the Hero 10 for $400, but that requires having a 50 uh, 
dollars a year subscription. Otherwise, the camera is five hundred dollars. The Action Two Power Bundle costs three ninety nine and includes the camera. Um, and the power module, which extends your record time to 180 minutes versus the camera 70, and adds an extra micro SD card slot, a mount, and a lan lanyard. Um, DJI tells uh, tells our journalists that you can't buy the camera by itself, which does seem like a shame. If you want to replicate the Hero 10, the Hero 10's built-in front-facing camera, uh, front-facing screen, you'll have to go for the 519 dual screen bundle, which includes the same things as a power bundle, uh, but swaps out the battery module with the screen one, and as a ballpoint adapter as well. Well, while that's technically more uh, more than GoPro's non-subscriber asking price, the Hero 10's lack of built-in storage means that you'd probably make up the price difference um, buying a micro SD card anyways. But DJI says that dual screen bundle will be coming on November 2nd, and the power combo along with most other accessories will be coming in mid-November. Okay, so let's move on to our final story, and this is uh, a bonus story. Um, and that's it's an interesting story I chose, but that's Apple Music um, officially launching on the PS5. Oh man, okay, so Apple Music is coming to a gaming console and it's the PlayStation 5. The new app lets Apple Music subscribers stream music on Sony's latest console, similar to what was already available with Spotify. Audio can play in the background while you're gaming or just play on its own. Instructions on how to set up Apple Music for your PS5 are available right here. Uh, well... This is PS5's second major integration with an Apple service. Both Sony and Microsoft's next-gen gaming platforms launched with the Apple TV Plus app last year. Sony did extend the partnership to offer six months of free Apple TV Plus, uh, Plus membership to PS5 owners earlier this year. Having Apple Music on its console is a nice addition if you're looking to simplify your TV setup and avoid having to switch too much between dedicated streaming boxes and built-in apps. News on of the PS5's Apple Music app emerged after Reddit users spotted the streaming service in the console's music menu, and the Eurogamer was subsequently able to get the icon to appear by creating a new account. Apple Music is also available on Android, Amazon Echo, Chrome OS, Sonos, the web, and of course Apple's own range of hardware. So it's not just exclusive on the PS5, you can, you can really get it on any other device, so... Um, uh, it's not too impressive. Alright, well, that's all I have to say for this episode. Those were all the stories. Oh, I'm already out of breath, but yeah, this was a pretty long episode um, for me, but uh, what do you guys think? Let me know with a review down in Apple Podcasts, and also uh, don't forget to check out the merch at merch.streamelements.com slash Um, But uh, without further ado, um, this is episode 88, and I'll catch you in episode 89. Peace.